0: Hey, I just want to welcome you to Sanctuary. My name's uh, Pastor Rod, one of the pastors here. And, uh, hey, we're a bunch of just, you know, imperfect people trying to figure it out, you know, trying to figure out what it, uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus, you know, and we don't always get that right, you know, beginning with the speaker this morning. So anyway, wherever you're at in your, your spiritual journey, we are glad you're here. Welcome. It's awesome to have you. So, uh, we're celebrating our 11th, uh, birthday here. So, uh, it's awesome. Thank you for being a part of that journey. And, uh, Today I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about how to be wiser with your future. How to be wiser with your future. How to be wiser with your individual personal future. And then also how we as a church are going to be wiser with our future. So if you'd bow your heads and pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you declare us not guilty. Thank you, Lord, that you are here today and that that you existed before all things. There's no one like you. We were created by you, and you are unchanging. You stay the same. You are perfect in all your ways. You are our rock and our fortress and our deliverer. You are the one that never fails us. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would be the center of our lives, that you would be the place we fix our eyes, help us to look to you, whom our faith depends. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen so uh, Sanctuary Church, we're a church that our vision is to help people to find Jesus and to follow Jesus and to further his fame. And we're convinced that people's stories would be better off if Jesus were at the center of their life there. And so I'm going to do something this morning that I normally do not do. I normally do not do this. What I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about a little bit about our history and uh, the last, you know, 10, 11 years. And then, uh, I'm going to talk about the first chapter. Then I'm going to talk about the second chapter. And then, uh, I'm going to talk about vision for your own life and then vision for the church. And so that's where we're going this morning. So let me talk about our history here. We started in 2007, 2007, and God birthed the church. And so, uh, and we weren't spun off, you know, by a denomination trying to franchise this particular area here. This church was birthed by about a dozen people that wanted to reach their friends and reach this community. And so we started, you know, with uh, no money in the bank. We had no staff, really no like regular paid staff. We had no offices. We had to find a place to meet. We didn't have a really a supporting, really sending church. We didn't have a, a sending organization. We really just had a dream in our hearts of what a church could be in the community, and so that's what we began with, and this is, uh, we had a dream where the scriptures would be taught, you know, uh, unapologetically and with penetrating application. And not just for the people that are convinced, but for the people that are unconvinced. And so that, uh, that the messages wouldn't just be Bible lectures that would bore people, but that would have high application, that would give people something they could do with the messages on Sunday morning. We saw a church that would have dynamic worship, and by that I mean a church that would respond to all that God is and all that He has done, with all that we are, and a church that would have passionate worship and be fearless in our approach to worship. And so, God began to grow the church. God began to protect the church and sustain the church and supplied for the church. And it was really remarkable. It's really remarkable that uh, that uh, twelve people resulted in what we experience today. So we had this chapter one, you know, and uh, the first 10 years of, of the church. And really what God did was just unbelievable. And so a church was born and we began to gain traction in the community. We began to take root in in the soul of the community here. And so I think some words that would describe that The chapter one would be on risk taking and adventure and, uh, sacrifice and volunteering and fearlessness. And so, and during this era, we began to become concerned with the marginalized of the community. We began to want to be a church that was in the community and for the community to bless the community and beyond there. And so we were concerned about the plight of the poor and the, and the has-beens and the underprivileged and the, and those that needed a second chance. And so it still comes to expression today where last year we gave away 500 sleeping bags, you know, to the community. So I was drive, last week I was driving uh, down Fifth Street, you know, and I saw a guy and he was pushing his cart, you know, along, and he's pushing his cart, and I was going uh, in the same direction, so I pulled over and I I stopped and I parked my car and I, I crossed the street with the sleeping bag and and I and I started walking with him, you know, and I and I said, well, tell me tell me about your story. He said, tell me, his name was Michael. Tell me about your story, Michael. Michael started telling me his story and how he's on Ritalin, you know, when he was a little kid. And he says, you know, that's like pre-Meth, you know. And so, really, Michael? And so, and he's going on about his story. And, and, uh, and so, anyway, I said, hey, Michael, I says, you want a sleeping bag? He goes, I already got one. I said, you already got one? He goes, yeah, Pastor Sean from Sanctuary, I already gave me one. I said, <laughs> like, all right, Michael. He goes, goes, yeah, the church is right over there. And he points to the church office. And they go, yeah. I says, Michael, I said, I work there. He goes, yeah, who are you? And uh, <laughs> he says, thanks for the sleeping bag. It's keeping me warm at night, you know. So anyway. But anyway, well, we gained this heart, you know, for the community there. And so... um and your generosity, you know, has given really tens of thousands of dollars to the orphans in Africa. You've built homes and loft houses in Mexico. You sent teams, you know, your generosity sent teams to Houston for disaster relief. Your generosity, you know, has packaged food for the marginalized and done uh, prayer vigils and, and, uh, and helped this community and feeds, you know, a couple dozen students every week here. And so in this era, this era, this chapter one of the church here, what happened is that hundreds of people have found Jesus. And and I did the numbers, about 500 people have been baptized in uh, since this church has started. And it's been beautiful here, and people have found meaningful community. So in this era, you know, we moved to this campus, we started another campus, we moved to this campus here. And in this era, we started the ministry center because you gave about $100,000. And so it's used six nights a week all the time. We have already uh, we've already don't have enough space and, and things. But it's awesome. We started the ministry center. In this era, we started Rooted. We started tons of small groups. In this era, we became the church that loves the police and the fire department. And in this era, this first chapter one, we be- we came of age. We came of age, you know, and we grew up. We solidified our identity as a church in this era here. We we establish values, we establish values we hold very dear. Like the value just of teaching the Bible. That's a, that's a great value here, and we will always do that, you know, but not just to teach the Bible just as as boring, lifeless lectures, you know, They have nothing to do with your life, you know, and, and this whole thing about going deeper where, you know, no one knows what you're talking about when you're all done, but man, we went so deep, you know, it's like I, I don't really care about going, you know, going so deep that I could confuse you, and I know how to do that. I could do that, but I would, I do, I know how to do that, but um, uh, but I don't want to bore you, I want to give you something that's going to help your life, you know, and, uh, and let the scriptures come to life here. And so we teach the Bible, but we do it in a way that we're just not teaching to the already convinced. We're not going to just talk to the, to, the, to the already convinced, but those that aren't convinced and those that don't understand and those that don't know. We want to teach in a way that we reach out to our unchurched friends here. And so, and I promise you that I just want to give you my best. I want to give you, I want to give you the very best that I have and you deserve my best and, and I just need you to know I'm not satisfied with what you had. Chapter one, I'm not satisfied. I want to, I want to be better at this, you know. You deserve the best and I want to give you the very best here, but that's one of our values is to teach the scriptures. Another value that we have is this and that is it found people, find people. In other words, if you've been found by God, God has found you. You will care and that will do something within you. That you'll want to help other people also be found. That it just doesn't end with you there. That you'll want to build relationships and build rapport with people. Because you've been found and found people find help find other people. And we want to courageously show God's love to our neighbors here. Why? Because we are convinced to the core of our being that people would be better off if God was at the center of their story. So we want to help in that process there. So we want to help, you know, passionately pursue, you know, people, our friends. And because there's this audacious love of a heavenly father that their lives would be better if they knew that love. And so value number three is this, is that we believe that everyone here, every member is a minister with a ministry, That the people, you know, that the that the ministers of the church are the people all of us gathered here. It's not just like the folks on stage and paid professionals and nothing. There's nothing that could be farther from what we want the church to be. But you, you are the ministers of Sanctuary Church. And I mean that, that you're the ministers. And so we also value, we establish it. We just want to be God's loving family. We want to be a community, a real community, a vulnerable community, a transparent community, a connected community, a community that's meaningful there. The people just don't come and go and have no life or no connection, but we actually do life together. We want to be God's loving family. And then the last uh, thing that we've established as a value is this in chapter 1, is that is it saved people, they serve people. They don't just all soak it in and soak it in and it's all about me all the time and have these self-centered lives. But saved people, they serve people. And these are, are values of chapter one here. And I'm confident to my core that God will do in chapter two more than he's done in chapter one here. That he'll do immeasurably more than we can ask Or even think here. And I have no doubt about God's continued faithfulness in chapter 2 here. Now that we're in chapter 2, you know, we don't want to pat ourselves on the back. The first 10, you know, years plus uh, is over chapter 1. And now chapter 2. And what does chapter 2 hold? But we're not here to pat ourselves on the back, but simply to acknowledge and to celebrate what God has done among us here. And so, 2018 represents Chapter Two, and I just want to say this to you: that you could all be founders of Chapter Two, that you know that you're needed to be founders, that you can all get in on the ground floor on Chapter Two here, and uh, and you're invited to be a part of that. And my question is: you know, um, God will certainly do His part, but what about us? you know, are we going to do our part here? And so would you say, you know, I'm all in as a founder of chapter 2. Would you say, you know, I will pray as a founder of chapter two. I will serve, you know, I will throw my, my, my gifts in the ring there. I will give, you know, I will, you know, do all I can in chapter two. And so will you be all in as we launch chapter two in our history here? And so here's what I want to ask you. And I want to talk about this the remainder of our time. And that is this. Do you have a vision for your own life? And then I want to talk about the vision of this church for chapter 2 here. I think, you know, if you get a vision, you know, a picture in your heart of what God has for your life, it just pumps you up, and it never gets old, and, and you begin to pursue that vision here. And you feel like you're on this God-guided mission about what He has for your life there. And uh, uh, But the Bible says this in Proverbs 29, verse 18. Solomon put it this way. He said, without vision, watch, without vision, what happens to you? What happens? It says, without vision, people perish. Now, what does that mean? I mean, certainly like we don't die, you know, a, you know, a death there, but this, how cool this four thousand year old passage of the Bible speaks so clearly about this life shaping and critical dynamic of vision in our lives here. Solomon begins to extol the incredible power of having vision thousands of years ago. And so vision then paints a picture, a preferred picture really of what God would like to do in your life or in in a group of people. I mean, vision unites us together. Vision will spark passion in your heart. Vision will draw you toward your future. Vision will produce a momentum in you personally or corporately here. Vision will challenge you. Vision will pull you out of, you know, self-centered living here. Vision will inspire the very best in your life. Do you have a vision? Because without vision, people perish. And so... Uh, And and by that I mean, you know, they don't just die. But you know what happens in their life is little by little there's a dying which goes on. And little by little in their, their inward disposition, it's like their shoulders begin to slump. And they begin to lose, you know, that passion for life there. And something happens to you on the inside there. Not observable on the outside, but it happens on the inside there. A little bit of dying every day. they without vision they perish. And so it goes on, you know, little by little dying, you know, and uh, on the outside, sometimes you can't tell. I mean, you know, you're doing life, you're making payments there, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're just rolling along with life, you know, and you may be really successful, you might be incredibly successful, but this is what you don't know. You don't have like this fresh word from God, you know, this fresh picture from God of what your life is to be about. You're just doing life, just existing, really perishing, just checking things off the list. Without vision, people perish. See, but when you're in sync with God's vision, you won't have that dying feeling anymore. When you're in sync with God's vision, there's like a stirring in your heart here. You recognize, for this I was born. You recognize that God is, is giving you a, an assignment, a, a personal mission for your life here. And, uh, and when you, you get to this place, you say, you know what? I'm done with dying every day here. I need a fresh vision. I need a fresh picture. I need a fresh course for my life here. And so, and you know what that could look like? It doesn't mean like this dramatic change where like you, you know, move to another country. What that, it may mean that, but it also may mean that you just stay right where you are. You just stay right where you are, but you have a completely different mindset. You have a completely different vision there. Maybe a fresh word or like a, 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 like a revelation from God, a vision for your life here. So what do you do then if you're dying every day? If you can relate to that, that the Proverbs 29, 18 here, without vision, people perish and I'm one of those people. So what is it that you do then? Well, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Number one, you know, you just gotta be honest. Just got to be honest that this is a reality in my life here, that I'm dying on the inside. Maybe then what you do is you tell somebody. You tell a a trusted confidant, a friend, you know what? It ain't happening for me. I don't really have a vision for my life. I don't have a God-preferred picture for my life. I don't have any, I don't have no idea what it is. Tell somebody. And then what you do is you just kind of, you lay it before God. You lay it before God in prayer. You lay it before God, you know, in Scripture. You you open yourself up in a new way. And then you just ask God. Ask God for a vision. Ask God, hey, what's my chapter 2? What do you have for me here? And you begin your own personal era of seeking and asking and maybe fasting and searching and praying and reading and 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 asking God what that would look like, your own personal chapter 2. Here's what I know to be true. Here's what I know to be true is this. Jesus said that my sheep, my sheep, they hear my voice. God says, I'll speak to you. I'm, a, I'm an all-communicating God. And my sheep, all my sheep, not just certain spectacular sheep, you know, not just, you know, the sheep that, you know, are on stage, not the sheep that are, you know, um, on steroids, not the, uh, the seminary-trained sheep. No, my sheep, all my sheep hear my voice. And I want to speak to my people, my sheep. And so um, so you can hear God's voice. You can hear God's voice through those inner promptings, you know, that the God can just make things real to you on your inside, the inner promptings. Uh, you can hear the still, small voice. You can hear his voice through the Scriptures, you know, hearing what God says through what he's spoken already in the Scriptures. Maybe it would be a trusted friend there, but my sheep hear my voice. Jesus is saying this. My sheep, my people, they have an all access pass by the power of the Holy Spirit just to hear a fresh word from me and they heed it. And so you have a vision for your personal future. So I'd like to talk about the vision for chapter two of this church, four things in your notes. The first one is this I believe that where we what we have to do and what we have to be about is we gotta fight. We gotta fight for every family. By that I mean this is, you know what? I get it. Life can be so busy and so hard and we get so caught up. Uh, We reach saturation point and, uh, and so where we really are not, you know, necessarily fighting for our families because there's so much to do. There's so much work, you know, there's so many meetings. There's so many deadlines. There's so much stuff. There's so many Emails and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and carpools and family dinners and date nights. Well, at least maybe last week on, on Valentine's you had a date night, but you know, date nights and, uh, and grocery shopping and, and team practices and connecting with parents and family and friends and on and on and on. Oh, we're so busy and it feels like you never really get enough time, you know, to, uh, uh to do everything. It's very easy that the family can kind of slip there, you know, because we are just kind of checking off in the schedule and hoping there's time to check everything off, you know, in the madness of life here. And it's very easy to do this. It's very easy to miss out on the mission-critical thing of shaping and forming our families. And so, so as a church, what we want to do is we want to help equip people. Like we've never done that before. And you say, well, well, how do, how do we do that? You know, with all the pressures, you know, out there in society to keep up with everything. You know, like, where's the map? You know, like, how do we get there? With Sanctuary, one of the ways we want to fight for families is like, do more like parent labs. We're just going to do parent labs, you know, where we can unpack, you know, here's the best resources that we, you know, we scouring, you know, all the options. Here's the best we can give you. You know, and uh, and I get it, you know, we have blended families and adopted families and healthy families and, and families of children of alcoholics, you know, and mixed families and families with health issues and families with financial hardship and all that. So we're just going to try to equip a broad array of families here. And so to do parent labs. And, and then we also just want to have the best resources like here. This year, here, we're going to have the best resources we can get. They're going to be right out there, right at your fingertips for you. We're not going to stop until we're able to provide the best resources, the best training. The Bible says train up children the way they should go. We're going to do the very best that we can here to help. So, friends, here's what I know. Like we're playing for keeps. You know, because nothing matters more than children. Nothing matters more than families here. And so we're stepping into the ring. We're going to fight, you know. And so uh, we're going to fight, you know, just like Jesus would fight. That's what he would do. He would fight for families. So we're going to fight for families in chapter 2. Because kids matter. Their innocence matters. Their, their, Their futures matter. Their potential matters, you know. And every time Jesus encountered a child, he was like, whoa, like, Time out, you know, and the disciples would be like, "No, you know, like no cuts, you know." The master's busy, you know, and all that, and he would rebuke them and say, "You know what? Let the, let them all come to me, let the children come to me, and forbid them not, for this is the kingdom of God here." And so Jesus says, "Let the children come," you know, and nothing is to keep them from Him. Uh, we want to take the same posture, and so. In the, in the scriptures there, in Deuteronomy 6, you know, it talks about, here's how you, you do it. You know, one of the classic portions of scripture. Here's how you do it. You know, and it talks about, it's got to be your life. It's got to be a lifestyle. It can't just be, you know, an hour on Sunday morning. You know, it, it speaks about to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your, your soul there, and your neighbor as yourself. But then the rest of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is critical. Because there it talks about legacy. And having a legacy, the rest of it is all about legacy. And it's all about how do you pass this on? And how do you impress this somehow upon their hearts here? And so think about how you do this when you're stuck in traffic and when you're at the table and when you're going to... How can you do this? And so the Bible says this in First Timothy. Paul writes, he says, you know what? You got to fight. You have to fight. Fight the good fight. Of faith but it's a fight and you got to have big fight inside you so as a church what we're going to do is we're going to fight for families and so it's all about legacy and what we can pass on and so and so culture won't have the last word we don't want the culture to have the last word so you help us, you know, step in the ring because we want to go toe to toe with the values that the culture is trying to impress upon them. We've got to fight here so that we can be, give them a Christ-centered map and so that we can be wiser with our, our future by fighting for our families. That's chapter two. That's our vision. What else are we going to do? We're going to also call out the best. Call out the best in everyone. Call out the best in every Christ follower. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, For this reason I remind you, to fan into a flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. So Timothy had Paul. And Paul called out the best in him. Who do we have in our lives? Who do you have in your life that's going to call out the best in you? Who is that person? On a, every Monday morning I, I, I meet with Pastor Ron Williams. Sometimes I'll be giving him my slant on something and he'll just like, nail me. I mean, it's like nails me. I think that wasn't very nice, you know, but he's like, he'll nail me. And, uh, but you know, he's calling out the best in me. And I love that. For 20 years, I had a man named John McGregor. Uh, you heard me mention him. For 20 years, I got to just talk to him here and then. And I felt like he was always calling out the best in me. Uh, when I was in high school and I had a couple buddies, you know, that I was I was as I was just lost you know but uh, but they saw something in me they invested in me Dale Conjolier, Dan White pursued me you know years later still my friends and but they but they pursued me they went after me they saw something in me they called out the best in me last month I was with um a man who's a mentor to me Kenton B Shore the pastor of Mariners Church in Irvine and I spent about five hours with him. And I'm asking him questions. And what do you think about this? And how do you do that? And I asked him one question. It really lit him up. It really lit him up. I we're driving in his, in, a, in his truck. And he said, well, what would you do? And I gave him the answer. And he goes, and he pops. And he was like, oh, Kenton, whoa, oh, this is serious. And he says, no, that's not what you do. It's like, oh. Like he pops me again. He says, "That's not what you do." I says, "Well, what do you do?" And he says, "Here's what you do. You got to, you know." And, and he laid it out what I had to do. But you know what he was doing? He's calling out the best in me. You know, he he was, he was just reacted to it. And I realized he reacted because he cared. It's like, that was not the thing to do, you know. That's not how you lead. And so just lit him up. And so he lit me up. Who do we have in our lives to call out the best in us? And how does it happen without community? He said, Paul said to Tim, look, look, I see what's in you. And I see sometimes you're losing it and you're drifting. And you got to fan into a flame the gift that's within you. Timothy, God gave you a gift there, but you're not even using the gift. That's a God thing. you got to stir that thing up, and you can't be so and timid all the time. Timothy, God didn't make you like that. And he's pulling out, you know, the best of them. He says, look, I'm going to tell you what God did. God gave you a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind. He didn't make you such a, you know such a scared, you know, timid person. Timothy, come on. And so that's what he was doing for him there. And so, um, and I don't know if you ever had a coach or leader or mentor or someone in your life, a pastor, you know, that would, that would do that for you. They would say, you know what, you can't, you can't go down that road. You can't throw in the towel like that there. You know what, there, there's a, there, you have a place and you have a standing, you have potential and you have a future. So who is that person that's calling out the best in you? We as a church want to call out the best in you. And so maybe you'd be that person. Maybe you would be the the, the Ron Williams or the Kent Beach or the Dan White or the Dale Conjulier or the John McGregor that you would help call out the best in somebody. And so, because this is what I know, this is what I know. We tend to shut down. We tend to isolate. By nature, we tend to isolate. There's like an internal gravitational pull that you want to. Unless you're maybe like a super extrovert, for the rest of us, you kind of pull. You know, you kind of pull back here. And there's something that screams, you know, uh, at you with your one and only life, your one and only life there that you can go all alone. You don't have to have other people speaking to your life. You don't have other people, you know, that are, are going to do that. And you, you can isolate. It's safer to isolate. You'll never you'll never be hurt if you isolate. And those are the voices. And culture, you know, uh, pushes you to, to isolation there. And so what do you do then, you know, where, how do you, how do you posture yourself so that you can be in a position where someone can call out the best in you? You know, I didn't grow up in church and, and my parents got divorced when I was a little guy, a little guy. Uh, and so I grew up and then my sister was taken away. So I grew up alone. I just grew up alone. My dominant One of my dominant memories as a kid is I was just alone. So I could remember one of my dominant memories is sitting at the bar and making TV dinners. I'm talking I'm a little kid, seven years old, eight years old, you know, uh, and I I was an expert at making TV dinners. I knew how to make TV dinners with the best of them. So uh, anyway, I could do that, but I would sit at the bar and eat my TV dinner. I'd just be alone. Almost every night. And so, there's like nobody around. So, how do I go from that? That's like my, that's my formative life. That's like, that shaped me. To be alone. To just to withdraw and to, to be, how do I go from that to this? That's a God-only story. It's a God-only story. And that's what God wants to do in all of us. Regardless of how you grew up and how, how it's, it's easy for you to be isolated and it's very still to this day. It's very easy for me to withdraw. It's very easy for me to be, to isolate. See, but but how do you go from that to to this where, you know, someone can call out the best in you and you can experience community together here. And so who is that person? See, because we as a church, we have a biblical mandate and a call from God. Chapter two, we will be all about community. We'll be all about calling out the best in one another. That is our chapter two. That is where we are going as a church here. And so his voice still resounds. His message still resonates that we we are a community here. And you know what is so cool is that, uh, last week the elders went on a, we went on an elders retreat, you know, for a day, what we call a prayer summit. It's a time where we can be alone for a day. And so the elders went away, uh, in a, in a place where we could just be alone and quiet and, and, uh, and have time together and time to pray and pray individually. And, and so, uh, and we came back with, they came back with a scripture for this church. And uh I said and I asked him, Would you give would you give give me a scripture that I could give to the church about what you see for the church for this year? And here's what they came back with. They said, most important of all, they didn't know what I was gonna they didn't know these what I was gonna talk about here, but most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another. Call out the best in one another. For love, you know, it covers a, a multitude of sin. So that's our scripture for for this year. Where do you meet the people call you out for your best there? You know, I love there's Beaumont brothers, you know, that they gather in a breakfast joint across the freeway there, and they meet there, you know, to attend to Christ's presence, to lift up Jesus, to check in with one another, to see how they're doing, you know, to plan outreaches, to spur one another on to faith and good works there. And so uh and and they and they love to connect there. If we don't do this though. Who is there for you when unexpected and unthinkable things happen? Who's there for when you, when you need somebody in your life that would text you, that would email you, that would pray for you, that would help you in, you know, in your faith there? And so, we're not designed to go alone here. And so we must decide today, regardless of your past, you must, I'm asking you, I'm imploring you, I'm really, you know, I'm begging you, that you wouldn't go alone. That you would resist the thing to isolate and you'd be a part of this community. Because that's the vision that we have for chapter 2. To fight for families and to call out the best in everyone. Number three is this. Is to risk boldly to reach our friends. To risk boldly. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19 verse 10, he said that the son of man, here's, what this, here's the job description of the son of man. He comes to seek and to save those who are lost. Now watch this. The Bible says seek it means this. It means not just one-time seek and call it a day. It means to continuously, relentlessly, never-endingly continue to seek people. That's what Jesus did here. A continuous it means a continuous action that never stops. That's what he's talking about. Never ceases. In other words, it's never been completed. It's not going, and we're to continue to carry that out. To seek and to save those who are spiritually disconnected or spiritually, they're confused there. And they need to find a spiritual home for their heart here. And so the job's not finished. And so we want to point people, tell people here, riskly, bold to reach here. And so this is our responsibility. And so this year, we're doing more than we've ever done in our history. We sent a team to uh, Washington, D.C. to check out uh, a church there. What they're doing called Christmas Village. So we are going to launch, first time ever in December, Christmas Village. It's not on Sunday. It's going to be during the week. We're going to, for our whole community, we're going to invite the whole community to experience Christmas Village. And uh, we're going to serve the community that way. It's just, it's going to be awesome. You'll hear more about it. Uh, we're going to do, you know, our trunk or treat. Where we had like a thousand people come. You know, first time ever that we did it, like a thousand people showed up. We're going to do our best vacation Bible school ever. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to, we're going to amplify what we can do on our Easter experience where we've been working hard on that, planning that. So we're going to leverage the opportunity. We're going to risk boldly. We're not going to play it safe. We're going to get out on a limb. We're going to attempt more than we've ever done because Jesus said, you got to seek and save. His mission was seek and save those who are lost. So what would happen if the Holy Spirit were to get a hold of us and that we would regain that, regain that kind of, that thing, that kind of edge, that kind of passion, that kind of desire that we could just be a little more bold, a little more innovative and risk a little bit more, uh, with our friends and our family there. This is our vision to help people find Jesus. And so I tell you that every time I get the opportunity, Every time I get the opportunity to, uh, to be a part of that, I'm just going to go for it. I'm inviting you to go for it, too. So, um, wiser with our future. We are going to risk boldly. We are going to fight for families. We are going to um, call out the best in each other. And here's number four. Here's the last thing we're going to do. Number four. In chapter two, got to find a permanent home. Come on, baby. We're gonna find a permanent home. And so, you know, in chapter two, we gotta find a permanent home. We have an opportunity, like for ten acres out here, uh, to get. We have that opportunity in, in the midst of, of of all the building going on in the next ten years. We have opportunity for ten prime acres, and so uh, so we have an opportunity. We're still, we've started a building fund. We give to that every week. I mean, every month as a church, we contribute to it. I'm going to talk more about that this year because I just feel like we got to have a home. We got to have a permanent presence the community. This has been awesome. This has been God's provision, but we want a permanent home where we can reach more families and help people meet God, help them to find Jesus and follow Jesus, and then do something with their lives to further His fame there. Exodus twenty five eight says this. Moses says, "Then have them make a sanctuary." The Lord said, "Have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them." And when we were looking for a name for Sanctuary Church. This scripture surfaced and was like, "That's it. We're going to be a sanctuary where God can dwell among people there." And so that's what we want to do. But He said, "Look, have them make." a sanctuary. He would be an inner sanctuary, but there's also an outer sanctuary that we are to make for him. And so we want to begin that journey. So anyway, I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. So let's pray. Father, thank you for our personal futures. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you've given us. And Father, may we be awed by your goodness and to us over the past decade, how you've protected us and provided for us in ways unseen and seen, and we're just humbled, Lord, of of all that you've done, and Father, I pray that as we turn to you now that our hearts would bubble up with gratitude and uh, and just for your faithfulness to us, Lord, as we stand on the threshold of chapter two, I pray that we would recognize that you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or even think. That you are the God of more. You are the God that there is no limitation or boundaries with you. Father, I pray that uh, in chapter 2, that you would do breathtaking things, that you would impact our community, and on a personal level, that you would fill us with fresh buckets of vision from you that would would fire us up and help us to, uh, if we're dying, to help us undie and get unstuck. So, Father, may we be full on for you. May we be inspired. May we be full of vision. May there be the pulsating work and power of the, of the Holy Spirit emanating from this place. May this community that we live in feel the impact. May you equip us. May you anoint us for the next chapter with humility and love and wisdom. May you multiply our efforts. May we be a thriving church, a life-giving church, a church in the community and for the community to bless the community. May we increasingly be the hands and the feet and the hope and healing of Jesus. May we feel your hand upon us. May you bless us now we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.